Palm Sunday. So before service, the crew, we were all saying jazz hands. It's Palm Sundays. Gotta everyone show their palms. Uh, Palm Sunday. Today, today, what a wonderful thing to celebrate. And that is the triumphal entry of our king into his kingdom. And that's what Palm Sunday is about. Within uh, a lot of churches will call this Holy Week. Uh, uh, I think every week is holy because, you know, this is the day the Lord has made, right? Uh, so, so, but this would be Holy Week. What a beautiful meditative opportunity to focus on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because what great hope does that bring us that we can die out to our old selves? We can bury our past in an unmarked grave. And, and if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We get to be resurrected into something brand new. And, and uh, I'm crucified with Christ, but I, yet I live. It's not me, but it's Christ who lives within me. We get to become closer and closer to Christ. And yet today is when we celebrate him riding into Jerusalem, establishing the fact that, hey, I'm, I'm king. And he, he said it without even saying it, right? He, he didn't even have to announce it because it was already his kingdom anyway. So he could show up. So we're going we're gonna to hop right in it. All four gospels record this. Uh, when, you, when you look at the parallels of the gospels, there's some things that you know, one gospel may not record and two, two do, or, you know, but, but it's not too many, too many things that all four of them happen to hop on and line up with as far as uh, to, to account the same event. And this is one of them, which means all four of the authors that were writing found this to be remarkable found this to be so pivotal that they, they would all include it. So we're going to read from John's gospel today. Uh, we're going to go with the New King James translation. Starting in uh, chapter 12, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took three branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The king of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. So, uh, I want to talk to us today, uh, so if, if, if I could pass out palm branches per se, I would give you three palms for Palm Sunday. In other words, three takeaways from this. We could spend several weeks really just on this one event, but, but today I want you to go home with three things to contemplate and ponder on today, and what I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to this particular flock. Now, the disciples didn't understand what was taking place in front of them when this happened. You know, they were just kind of going along with them. Got this big crowd, you know, chanting to them. That wasn't necessarily out of the ordinary. But afterwards, they started connecting the dots. And, and these three points or these three palms are actually some of the dots that they would have connected. Now, what was awesome is he was establishing the fact that he was king. You know, because he, he rides in and they start announcing him as king. You know, the king of Israel. Hey, here he comes, the king of Israel. That's what the crowd said. From there, he goes to the temple. He knocks over everything. He basically shows, this is my house, and I'm in charge of it. 
And he knocks over all the money tables, all that stuff. On his way out of town, he winds up cursing a fig tree. The fig tree was actually symbolic of Israel. It was a symbol of Israel. And the fig tree was blooming, but there was no figs. In other words, they had all the signs of having fruit, but there was no figs. There was no fruit. And so he curses that, and it was basically the state of Israel on the religious front. Oh, they had all the law of Moses. They kept traditions, but they were uh, spiritually dead. You know, he, he winds up, he winds up uh, taking a few days and debates some of the uh, religious leaders and kind of shows them to be foolish. And then eventually he winds up across the hill looking over Jerusalem crying. And he says, you're not going to see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, they already said that in this account that we just said. But all of a sudden when he realizes he's about to be crucified, he says, you're not going to see me again until you really say it and you really mean it. Right? So, so he, he goes through this whole series of events to establish the fact that he is king. And he didn't even have to verbalize it. He just showed it. Right? Now, I, I want to point something out. Here are three takeaways. The first poem is going to do with this word, Hosanna. When I say the, the, the word Hosanna, what usually, what, what do you think it means? Hosanna. Most, most folks would say it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a praise, right? We, we uh, you know, we, that's how we use it, right? We even sing about it. When I was growing up, there was a, what was the song? It was kind of a calypso, the Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? So, you know, growing up, I mean, I just thought it was another one of those Bible praise to you. Woo, Hosanna, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, right? You would, it's like a word of adoration. It doesn't mean that at all. Matter of fact, it's not even a praise. It's interesting, I, I didn't, a lot of times I'll read from the NLT. Uh, the NLT actually translates it, praise. But it actually literally means save now. Hosanna, save now. Uh, so Palm 1 that I'm going to pass out to you today, if, if you will, is that. Save now. So keep that in mind. By the end of this, you're going to have you a prayer that you can pray all week. Save now. I don't mean, hey, when you think about it, God, help me out. You know, if you were trapped on an island and you built a big bonfire because you see a boat way out there, you're not like, hey, when, when you finish your cruise, could you come back and pick me up? No, you'd be like, hey. <laughs> Over here now, you know. How many ever felt like you've been in that situation? Save now, right? Now, this whole thing that they were chanting, so this is Palm number one, save now. The whole thing that they were chanting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This was not just some spontaneous chant, right? This was actually something that that was really a kind of a, a intentional on their part. And, and if you remember the story, the Pharisees got really mad about this taking place. The religious bunch got really mad that this was taking place. Well, number one, here comes Jesus on this baby donkey, right? And the crowd starts realizing, number, they're already in a festive mood. They're preparing for Passover. At the end of the week, they're going to be selling Passover, which is a, uh, basically commemorating the liberation of the children of Israel from Egypt. They're wanting to be liberated from the occupation of Rome, they're being overtaxed, they're being oppressed, their culture is being eroded, they're being absorbed into the Roman Empire, 
They are a desperate people. They want freedom. They're waiting for Messiah. Well, here comes this country rabbi that everyone has been rumoring, maybe he's the Messiah. He's been preaching like crazy. He's been performing miracles. By this time, Lazarus was resurrected. He brought Lazarus up from the grave. The Pharisees, Lazarus, because of that miracle alone, the Bible said that many began to believe that Christ was the Messiah to the point that not, not, not only were the Pharisees plotting to kill Jesus, they were plotting to kill Lazarus. So, so they're like, man, we got a mess on our hands. Now, all of a sudden, here he comes, this, this country rabbi, and they're like, here he comes. People have been saying he could be the Messiah. If you're the Messiah, then let's do this. You're coming into this town, run these Romans off. We're ready. We're behind you. You got this, you know? Uh, it's, it, it's, it, but but in, in a way, it's almost the same way that we treat like Dak Prescott at the beginning of a football game, right? We're like, come on, Dak, you got this, man. You got this. This is your game. This is your Sunday. You were born for this, baby. You got this, right? And then by the fourth quarter, we're like, sit him down. He threw three interceptions, you bum. But get Cooper Rush in there, right? Now you know why public favor changed so quickly, Right? For Christ, because he comes marching in. They're like, oh, you got this, Jesus. Come on, you're made for this. And then all of a sudden, a week later, he's on trial. They're like, oh, he took him a week to get arrested. He ain't, he's not the Messiah. You know, crucify the bomb, right? So that was basically why public opinion changed so quick. He, he didn't perform the way that they thought he was going to perform. But here they take palm branches. Now, I'm spending a little bit more time on, on palm number one for you but to help open up some things for you to understand what's going on. They take palm branches, which was the national, it was a national symbol for Israel back then. It stood for Israeli victory. It would be the same as if somebody came and occupied us and we start pulling out the old American flag, old glory, right? And just start, USA, USA. USA. The Pharisees are like, what is going on, man? These Roman cops are going to come and start thumping heads, which... You know, they're getting really upset about this. They start laying these palm branches down in front of them, which is a symbol of victory, as if he's coming from a victory, as if he's already won. Uh, and this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Deborah, in the book of Judges, she, she, was a, she was a prophetess. She would judge under a palm tree as a symbol of victory. So here he comes. They're, they're putting basically this very patriotic symbol down before him, and they're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, what, what they're saying is, they're not saying, woo, glory to God, hallelujah. They're saying, save us. They're desperate. Save now. That's the word, Hosanna. Save now. You're blessed if you're coming in the name of the Lord. Now, that was not just some random thing they all started chanting. They're actually quoting from Psalm 118. They're quoting from a messianic prophetic psalm that they're all familiar with. And we'll, we'll pick up with uh, verse 21. I will praise you for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Well, who? Well, verse 22 says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Who's that actually prophesying about? Jesus, the Messiah. This was the Lord's doing. It is, a, it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We quote that a lot, right? Look at verse 25. 
save now. If you were to see it in the Hebrew, it would say, Hosanna, save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. These guys were getting taxed like crazy. You know? Uh, they're, they're asking for their finances to be put in order even. 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There it is. Save now, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What they're chanting is an, an, an age-old psalm that prophesied about the Messiah. So everything that they are saying is very articulate, it's very intentional, which is another reason why the Pharisees are getting upset. Because look, matter of fact, it keeps talking. It's blessed you who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Well, that's exactly where Jesus went to when he rode into town. He went straight to the house of the Lord. He went to the temple, right? Then it says, God is the Lord. Well, to the New Testament church, who is Lord? Jesus. So it's equating the Lord or Jesus with God. John, which we read from, starts out by saying, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then it says, God is the Lord, and he has given us light. John said, and him was light, and the light was the life of men. And the light shined into the darkness, and the darkness couldn't extinguish it. So it's all pointing back to the song. God is the Lord, and he has given us light. Bind the sacrifice. There it is. Peter saw it Wednesday night when we were at Alpha. He started reading this, and he's like, oh, there it is. It's talking about Jesus. Bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So everything that they're doing that day was not just some random, just frenzied, you know, uh, uh, dog chant, right? That hoo, hoo, hoo. You know, remember uh, Arsenio Hall? Where are my dogs at? You know, hoo, hoo, hoo. You know, it, it wasn't, it, it was very much intentional. When they saw him coming on a young colt, they said, man, if, this, if you're really who you say you are, then Hosanna, save now. Do it now. Now he did. He, by the end of that week, he set us all free and established his kingdom, just not in a way that they thought, right? Uh, now, I want to point something out. Psalm, the, the first poem that I give you is save now. You can call to God desperately. You don't have to feel uh, guilty about it. He's not going to shame you. Uh, in your time, for the sake of time, I won't read this whole psalm, but Psalm 107 chronicles four times that Israel messes up and gets himself in a bind or faces insurmountable odds. And they wind up crying out to God. In other words, they shout it, Hosanna, save now, help. And every time, all four times, God doesn't reprimand them. God doesn't rebuke them. He saves them. But then he states this, he makes this statement all four times because it gives you a better concept and a better idea of really the state we need to be living in. Becky Jones touched on it with everything that she's had to deal with medically with Paul and in a lot of ways losing the spouse that she once had. She still has her spouse. He's just different now, right? And she talked about, I have learned to give thanks in all things to be live a life of gratitude because even though I'm dealing with this, I am so blessed in so many ways. 
and he still blesses me and Paul, right? Well, what she's doing, she's living Psalm 107. All four instances that God saves when they yelled, save now. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. If you live in a state of gratitude, if you live in a state of thanksgiving, even in your roughest times, you can make it. You won't have to be quite so desperate to yell, Hosanna. (laughs) But if you're in that position, it's okay. Yell it. Save now. This week, some of you need to cry it out. Poem number two, fear not. It refers, we're gonna, I'm going to refer you back to John 12, 15 uh, that we read about his triumphal entry because it said, it is written. The reason why he was on a young colt is it's written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt or a donkey's foal. Now, where that comes from is Zechariah 9 and 9. That's a prophecy that was stated. And, and so the first command that this gives, and it's a command, it's not a suggestion. It's not, hey, try not to worry so much because your king is coming. It's a command. Fear not. Amen. Don't fear. Why? Fear is the opposite of faith. The entryway into his kingdom is through faith. Trust. Complete, sold out trust. All right, God, I know it looks like we're going over a cliff, but you're with me. Okay, I trust you. This is going to be crazy. I'm about to lose my stomach, but you're with me. I'm fine. Ah, here we go, right? That's, sometimes that's what faith is. Or sometimes faith is much more restful. I'm not going to worry about it, God. You got this. Either way, we're commanded, don't fear. Why? Fear is the opposite of faith. If you're living by fear, you're not walking by faith. You can't walk by fear and faith at the same time. It's water and oil. So we are commanded, fear not. Don't be afraid, daughters of Zion. Why? Because your king's coming. Here he comes. Don't be afraid. You're worried about the Romans. You're worried about taxing, taxation. You're worried about oppression. You're worried about all this stuff. Don't. Don't worry about all of it. Your king's coming. You may be right in the middle of it, but he's there with you. You may be in the middle of the fiery furnace. He's there with you. You may be in the middle of the lion's den. He's there with you. He doesn't always take you out of the situation, but he goes through the situation with you. So don't fear. This word is a command. The Bible doesn't suggest, hey, try not to fear. It says don't do it. It's a command. It's a good command. It's not a mean command. Hey, don't fear. It's a good one. I equate it with And David would like this. I equate it with eat a donut. That's a good command, right? Eat a slice of pizza. Hey, that's a good command. Take a nap. Oh, I like that command. Yes, sir. Don't fear. You got it. (laughs) You know, I, it's, it's not, it's not a mean order. It's not a mean command. 365 times in the word of God, that command is given in some fashion or form. So if you want to put it to your modern day calendar, perhaps God was looking ahead and said, hey, for this crazy group that's going to be alive in 2023, I gave you one for each day. Apply it. Don't fear. Every, I got a fresh bag of don't fear for you when you wake up. So poem number one, save now. Poem number two, 
Don't fear. Finally, the last poem, not as expected. Not as expected. It's really interesting. Usually, if a king is going to enter a city, he is going to be on the highest steed possible. You know, you, you remember back in the old days, they, they, they would measure horses by hands, right? Well, a general is going to want to be at least three or four hands taller than the rest of his troops so he could rally them, so he could lead them, so they could see him, he could inspire them. A king is going to want to be three or four hands higher than the general just to show that I'm the one in charge, it's my kingdom, I'm the boss. And so you would expect if Jesus is going to come and announce his kingdom, he would have found the biggest Clydesdale he could, you know, and just come come rumbling into town on the biggest beast he could find. Just to, he, he, he should have found, the, found one bigger than, than, than the Roman, uh, that any of the Roman centurions had, one bigger than Herod had. Man, I, like if, if he had asked me, I would, have, I would have gotten him the Rolls Royce of, of steeds, right? So, what is that? Yeah, yeah. Even better, Kate would have went and got an elephant, man. She was, come on, forget about them horses. Come on in on an elephant. You know? Just a, some kind of mastodon, right? And, and found the biggest crown I could have found, all this stuff. Yet, no, he didn't come in that way. He came in in a way that was completely unexpected. Matter of fact, he sends his disciples to get, some translations say, a, a wild Colt, a wild, in other words, one that had never been ridden before. Uh, what's interesting is Matthew gives us insight that the rest of the Gospels don't mention. They actually, according to Matthew, in his Gospel, they actually got the mama donkey and the colt. And that would make sense because the baby would stay much more calm. They're about to go into a big crowd, throwing a bunch of palm branches, chanting all kind of stuff. And, and a pretty, a, at least a, a hot enough frenzy that the Pharisees were worried about the cops showing up, you know. And, and so, so what they did is they hear Jesus most likely had two choices. Well, he could have ridden the mama donkey and been up a little higher. But he, he sits on the baby donkey. Now picture this. In all likelihood, perhaps it was about as tall as the base of the speaker which means he probably, his feet were probably dragging the ground a little bit. Here comes a king with his feet hiked up. You ever hopped on your kid's bike? You know? It doesn't look very majestic, right? It doesn't look very regal and royal. So their king shows up, and the very man that they're calling king, king of Israel, here he comes. Some, translate, or some of the Gospels have them saying it. Here comes the king of Israel. Hosanna, save us, save us. You know, they're not sitting there pleading, save us. They're, hey, hey, could you save us? You know, and here he comes. Matter of fact, the, it says he, he came in, the, the, the prophecy said, here comes your king on a, if you go back and look at Zechariah 9.9, here comes your king and he comes lowly and humble. In other words, he showed up in a way that was so unexpected, and he showed up on their level. He got down low with them. Can I tell you that? I don't know what everyone is facing. 
but some of you need your king to show up in a massive capacity. And he's showing up. He's going to save you now. And he's going to bring you faith so you don't have to fear. But he's about to move in your life in a way that you don't even expect. There are doors that are about to open for some of you that you didn't even know there was a door there. You thought that was a wall. You thought it was a boulder. Turns out it's a giant gate. There's some healing that's going to take place, but it's not going to come in the manner you think it's going to come. There's opportunities that are going to pop up that you had no clue was there. And, and, and the day that you thought was one of the worst days of your life is going to become one of the biggest blessings of your life. You're going to be like Mephibosheth. You remember Mephibosheth, who was a descendant of Jonathan. He was dropped when he was a little kid uh, because they were fleeing because Jonathan and Saul had been killed. And so they didn't want the next king to come in and kill. So the, 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 the nanny winds up dropping him and it cripples him. And years later, David wants to honor Jonathan's memory. He says, does, does, is any of his kids still alive? They say, well, Mephibosheth, yeah, he lives down there. He said, bring him in here. When they went to go get Mephibosheth, he thought, boy, they've done found me. I thought I was safe hiding out down here. I said, no, 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 you come in. When David saw him in his condition, he said, look, he said, I, I'm going to give you back all of your grandfather's land. I'm going to honor you. He said, the only thing I ask, I want you to eat at my table with all my kids every day from here on out. So the day that he thought, no telling how many days he cursed he cursed that nanny. <laughs> How could she have been so clumsy? Because she was so clumsy. Because she hurt me. Now I've got to deal with this. My life is crippled now. My life is hindered because she hurt me. Turns out God used that day to make it the best day of his life. Had it not been for that, he wouldn't have necessarily had the opportunity to sit at the, the king's table. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what anyone has done to you, said about you, manipulated you. It doesn't have to hinder you. God can save now. He can drive out fear. And he can show up in a way that is so unexpected. I thought this was, I thought this was the worst thing to happen. Man, it's going to be the best thing to happen. God is so good. He is a triumphant king and he has entered his kingdom. Amen. Let's all stand. Three palms for Palm Sunday. Everybody give the jazz hands. Palm Sunday. <laughs> Save now. Fear not. And not as expected. Go home and tell your spouse. He's going to do, I don't know how he's going to move. He's going to show, he's going to do something unexpected this week but I'm not going to fear because he has saved me right now. Your salvation is now. It may just manifest in a really weird way. Let's all pray. Father, I love you, and I thank you. We need you. We are desperate for you. You are our one solution. You are our one hope. You are the only salvation we have. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can cry out Hosanna to you today. Save now. Because you are blessed and you came in your Father's name. Lord, we rejoice in our salvation. We rejoice in your kingdom. We rejoice in the liberty that you bring. 
Jesus, you are the door. You are the gate. You are the entryway. And I adore you. I don't want to just adore the door. I want to go in. So I submit to you today. Help us to be folks, citizens of the kingdom, citizens of faith, citizens who walk in your promises and who are willing to submit to receive your promises. Let Show us revelation, God. Show us your word. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing that song one more time because I'm that desperate for him. <laughs> Same God, amen.